Information you can trust, stories you can relate to, and tips and tactics you can apply on your next adventure. Hunting, fishing, camping, and everything in between. This is the Battle Mountain Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Battle Mountain Podcast. I have a friend of mine, Travis Nowatney, on the other end of the line. Travis, how's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm not as talented as Brian Barney. I've done some solo episodes, but I just feel a little awkward. So um, I prefer to have a guest. <laughs> <laughs> make them the yeah, star of their show <laughs> I, I don't i don't think talking to myself would turn out very well either <laughs> <laughs> well i you know it seems to me like your guys uh your goat knives are are kind of making way through the outdoor industry and and i think they look really interest, interesting they look you know very well designed and everything like that and so i thought it'd be kind of cool to discuss your goat knives kind of discuss the process that it took to to have an idea and then bring it to market and maybe maybe what's up next for goat knives okay yeah sounds good so so yeah like what you know have you always kind of had an idea to have just to design a knife or did it recently come to you like what how did that come to be well the it really just popped into my head on a hunt, um, I'm all about being a minimalist and multifunction and multi-purpose. And, you know, the Capper Hunter, that's, that's my original knife I came out with. It's basically, uh, a multi-tool. So it's a replacement blade knife and an Allen set combined into one. Um, and it pretty much just popped into my head and it was one of those things I kept thinking about and it, it kind of forced me to do it. I'm one of those one track mind type guys. And when something gets in my head, I I don't, if if I can't stop thinking about it, I feel like it's for a reason and I need to seek it out, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of what I did. You know, it was more of a, a selfish reason. I wanted it for myself and yeah, it turned into something that I can market. So I, I did. That's pretty awesome. With with it, you know, with the idea bouncing around in your brain, I mean, how many how many prototypes and things like that did you go through before you know and before it actually came to the model that you were going to sell? Surprisingly enough, not not too many. I, I would say probably half a dozen, something like that. So it, it started with an idea and what I wanted and. Um, I kind of sketched it out just with a, a tape measure in hand, how long I thought it might need to be. And, um, you know, I kind of just brainstormed some materials out there and come to the conclusion that, you know, titanium would be the material of choice just because it's uh, super light and super strong. So that was kind of the, the base work of the design. And, and then I kind of just, you know, <clears throat> as I got a base design and realized that, I could make it work. You know, I, I'd gotten in contact with the right guys to help me make the thing, um, you know, with the input of uh, machinists and stuff like that. It was really helped me fine tune the idea and the design. So, Okay. I gotcha. So when, 
When you go in there with your design, is it basically just kind of like a hand sketch drawing and you say, hey, this is what I have, and then they take it from there and put it on, you know, like a 3D CAD type drawing or? Um, yeah, yeah. Th- that's kind of what I did. Um, you know, I've always had a little bit of an artistic ability as far as sketching and stuff like that. And, you know, I have a construction base, how things work and how things function and kind of the process of a lot of that. So I've, I've taken the skills that I've learned over the course of my life and kind of, uh, I don't know, in a sense, put common sense to work. So, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that, uh, that, that makes sense to me. Um, so what, what was it? Was it a pretty good feeling getting that out of your brain and, and finally getting to actually hold and touch what, what you've been thinking about? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was actually awesome to see it come to fruition you know put all this time and work and dump all this money into something and then come out with an end result you know and that's when it really got scary when you realized how much it it takes to to even scratch the surface of bringing something to market you know yeah (laughs) it's like oh man that's out oh the wallet's getting a little sore here guys can we uh (laughs) can we can we talk cheaper (laughs) yeah Oh, that's, yeah, that's pretty much how it happened, you know. I mean, the good thing is uh, being an electrician and, and having that background, I'm able to work and make side money and stuff like that. So being able to save my pennies and put towards something I believed in, um, you know, it, that was basically how I did it. So it was a, a gamble at first. And, you know, once – another thing is, is – uh, being a successful bow hunter has really helped me. You know, I've got a little bit of an audience that I can reach out to. So that, that helped, you know, I, I figured worst case scenario, I could, I could get something going. And if it didn't work out, I could liquidate them to all my friends for the cost. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it wasn't too big of a risk for me, you know, but, um, it, it's worked out pretty good so far. So awesome. So after the, you know, after the, uh, the Capra Hunter came out with, and I believe that's the correct one with the, the hex set. Um, yep. where, you know, at, when that comes out and it's such a success, you know, what was it that made you decide that you needed a little bit different model um, as far, you know, because obviously your next knife that came out uh, wasn't wasn't like it. So what yeah. what was it that made you say, hey, we need we need this option available also? Well, uh, a lot of it was driven from, you know, I brought taking my design, took it to market and it, it was a hit right off the bat, you know, um, and it was one of those things, you know, if I'm going to dump all this effort into something, I definitely need to broaden my products and keep them coming just so I can generate more income to make it worth it. You know, mm-hmm. I think if you have one product and you have a limited outreach, it's going to be really hard to keep that money flow in which it takes to grow a business. You know, it's, you know, <clears throat> I talked to a lot of people that want to get into something similar to what I'm doing. And and I think it's, um, you know, I'd be lying if I said it was a super profitable thing right off the bat, you know, I mean, you can, you can burn through your products and generate a lot of cash flow, but, um, without having multiple products and having that big outreach, which I don't, you know, I don't, I, up to this point, I haven't really paid for any marketing or anything like that just because, uh, you know, I kind of want to, to grow it 
to its maximum potential before I, I dive into my capital. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I, I, I think that seems to make sense because, like, if you – the more you grow organically, the better, obviously. Um, and it just – there then you're building a base and a foundation for – uh, your working capital and your uh, your marketing to really have something to grow off of. Yeah, I, I would say that's correct. You know, uh, another big push was just just the fact that you know I'm a hunter and I not only do I like a replacement blade knife that's a multi tool, I like the option of having a fixed blade. So, gotcha. Yeah, I I am so terrible at sharpening knives. Um, that <laughs> as soon as I found how to, um, uh, as soon as I found a replacement blade knife, I haven't really had a, <laughs> a regular knife in a long time. Cause yeah, man, I'm bad at it. And granted, I think there's some smaller, uh, you know, like backpack style, uh, knife sharpeners that you can take with you that all you do is literally drag the knife through them. Um, but man, the stones and all that jazz, I, I couldn't get the angle right to save my life. <laughs> yeah, it can be tough. You know, that was, uh, one of the big pushes for me, uh, using nitro V blade steel. Um, you know, I, I know that a lot of hunters out there aren't expert knife sharpeners, you know, myself included. Um, but you also want a knife that is going to remain sharp as and have good edge retention as long as possible, you know? And that was one of the reasons I had chose nitro V to work with, um, just for the simple fact that it was, it was easier to put an edge back on. It had that high edge retention. It's got that good hardness rating, you know, 61, 62, something like that. Um, so it's gonna, it's gonna keep an edge, you know, give you a, you can break down a, an elk in the field and not have to put much of an edge on it until you get home. So that was another reason in, uh, that I chose that material. So just, okay. just I'm, I'm just rambling on here as I get ideas. So. No, you're good. So with, with the chose, choosing of the material in the blade itself, um, did you choose it just off research or did you have a few made and you went out and used them and tested them and then were like, okay, this one definitely held up the best? So I, I talked to several knife makers, and then I actually, I, I did, I'm, and I was able to test them myself. So that was, that was pretty much the one of the biggest reasons for doing that, and one of the biggest factors was just that Nitro V is extremely corrosion resistant too. You know. Gotcha. So. Yeah, especially you know always getting wet and covered in blood and dirt and all that kind of stuff. I could, I could see where corrosion resistant would be a, a really big plus. Yeah, well, I mean, I find this, you know, myself, you use a tool and you get it damp and you throw it back. So, uh, you know, a hunter that's on the go might might not always take the time or, you know, he's going to the next hunt. He's just going to throw that in his pack. He might not have time to take it to the kitchen sink and clean it up really good. And it just gives one one less thing to worry about. And that's why I, I went with Nitro V. So, yeah, in, in, the desi- in the design of the carbon pro so cool and what you know what all went into the 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 shape of the handle itself was that again you know you had two or three made up and you felt them and thing had a few other people feel uh, them a, a lot of it was just hand sketches I, I i i basically i had an idea you know being a trapper and a hunter and stuff like that i knew i wanted a knife that um 
had a nice sharp point that I could basically get under the hide and open the skin up, you know, and be able to skin around the base plate of the, the skull plate of the buck and stuff like that. So I, I kind of wanted, you know, that was one of my key points. I wanted a knife with a good point and being a minimalist, obviously I don't want a lot of extra bulk and stuff like that. So a slim line design and I, I just kind of sketched out these ideas and, and until I came up with something that made sense to me. Um, you know, another cool thing about the Turcarbon Pro, it's the first two piece of its kind out there like this is the first you know i'm the first to do it which um a lot of the reasons behind that was i wanted to be as lightweight as possible so i didn't want to cut the entire knife out of one solid piece of blade steel which would be that nitro v um so i played around with the ideas of having a titanium handle and the nitro v blade steel because obviously titanium is not going to hold the edge so it's not known as a material you know in knife making so right I basically, you know, that was one of the big pushes for me to do the two-piece design and have an ultra-lightweight handle and super strong with a blade that is, you know, easily sharpened by a non-educated hunter, you know, (laughs) blue-collar hunter that doesn't have, you know, maybe the education behind putting a good edge back on something, so. Right, right. Yeah, I think... You know, and and I would assume one of the hard things about the handle itself is, I, I mean, everybody's hands are so different. You know, they and, are, yeah. And so, I mean, I I could imagine that would be pretty challenging. You know, going into it thinking, okay, well, uh, you know, I want it to feel good in a woman's hand, but also in uh, a guy that's got giant hands. And yeah. I could see where that would be be kind of a challenge well you know one of the the i kind of looked at it like this you know with a knife it's kind of you can do the one size fits all but you can also bring different models to the market and the time being you know i'm a bigger guy i've got a bigger palm a bigger hand so i went with you know a a knife handle that's more comfortable for my hand and well it turns out from all the feedback i've got um you know everybody seems to like it people with smaller hands and uh bigger hands so it's worked out well Uh, that's always a huge plus when you get the feedback and and it's uh i almost said feedback back (laughs) (laughs) no kidding right um but i you know i could imagine that's a great feeling when you start getting feedback and everybody is loving it you know as opposed to hey we want this or hey we want that now did you um when you were really close to the production model itself, did you have three or four made and then let friends or anything like that go test them out before you then started producing and selling or I, it- I did. Yeah. Cool. Yep. I had all my buddies had one, you know, they took them hunting. I got their feedback and insight and, uh, you know, same thing with me. I abused the heck out of it. Um, the cool thing was there wasn't, there wasn't much that I had to change, so that speaks good things. Like your ideas are actually good. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I try to I try to get it as close as I can before I even spend the money. You know, to have someone machine it and work their way through it. You know, and all the CAD drawings. You know, if you if you can see a correction right off the bat, I just corrected it because by the time you pay someone all these hours to put it into a CAD drawing and everything like that, it's it's just not 
it just doesn't work out, you know. So I, I try to go in with a good plan before I, I start opening my checkbook. Yeah, yeah. That that seems to make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I, I like I've never done that portion of it, uh, but I would imagine that. Um, every time you go in with a change or a difference and they have to actually make a whole new one, I would imagine that's the cost that can just kind of get out of hand. It can. Yeah. <laughs> Plus it's one of those things. It's hard to make, it's hard to make a change on something until you get, um, you know, in it, it in a bunch of hunters hands because, you know, everybody's gotten a different opinion on thing and their style. So it's, I, I feel like it's better to have, you know, get it as close as you can and then fine tune it, you know, year to year and come out with different models. And, uh, yeah, just, I mean, that's you, you every, you got to start with a base work and then fine tune it as you go. So. Gotcha. Yeah, I definitely for sure. Cause the more, the more people you can have touch it and hold it and all that good stuff. And, and the more feedback you get, like you say, um, then it's like, okay, here's version two, uh, you know, as a, opposed to trying to make 10 or 15 or 20 of them and give them out to a whole bunch of people and then come out with something. Yep. Yeah, it's it's definitely a process. It's fun. You know, I kind of like that uh, design part of it, having a vision and then see it come to work. And uh, especially in something that I'm so passionate about, you know, hunting, yeah. I, I like to I like to make a difference. You know, if, if I could leave something behind that is going to make the difference in the next hunter to come, you know, it's 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 just rewarding, you know, money aside, if, if I, if I didn't make any money at it at all and people still love the products, it's a success in my book. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So kind of a little bit different subject. Where did the name goat knives come from? Like what, where did that come from? <laughs> uh, a, a lot of different things, you know, um, a lot of, I, I just liked the idea of having an animal as, as the brand, I guess, essentially. And I always love those Ibex, you know, those, the Ibex that they hunt like in the Florida mountains. Oh, and they stuff are like that so in New cool Mexico. looking, aren't they? They're just, oh, they're just gorgeous. And I love that. And I, you know, I kind of threw the ideas by some of my, my friends and they're like, man, that, you know, I, I, and there's not really any other brands out there with that, you know? So I was like, this is, I just love that <laughs> Ibex, you know, and I didn't really want to call it, you know, Ibex. I just like the idea that goat you know I, I have pack goats and stuff like that i like goats and i like the idea of being able to make different models and use different um types of goats you know like yeah uh, ibex or the tur or you know capra that's a whole variety of goats um i just thought it was cool to be able to use an animal and then i can make each model um basically the name of a goat i mean it just <laughs> it's pretty cool so and I also like the premises of, you know, I like the, the being positive and to drive hunters to be the best you can. And I just liked, you know, everybody knows what goat means, you know, greatest of all time. But I didn't really, I didn't want to come out with a brand being like, you know, this is the greatest knife you'll ever use. I looked at it as more of kind of the slogan of be the goat, be the best you can be, you know, uh, become better every day. I just, I just like that. So, yeah. Absolutely, man. I, I, and I do think that that's kind of cool how you're able to now utilize, uh, you know, different types of goats as their name for different knives, which then brings it all together. And it's just, it's kind of a cool idea. It really is. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've definitely, I love the brand. You know, I, I don't know if it's a selfish thing or what, but I think it's just a cool brand altogether. So I think it gives me a lot of room to branch out. And as I get ideas and products, I can bring it out under the brand. So Yeah, for sure. So what, um, what what's next with uh what with goat knives i mean you guys gonna come out with some awesome saw or something (laughs) there's definitely a lot of things in the works you know i've got a lot of stuff in the works you know we're definitely coming out with uh a couple different knife options you know and and possibly uh uh folder a personal everyday carry pocket knife so it's 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 one of those things uh, you, you always want to expand and, and, uh, bring new things to life, but you know, guys only got so much time in the day too, especially, you know, this is a part-time thing for me. I, I work a full-time job as an electrician, 40, 50 hours a week. And then I do this on top of that. So it's, it, I, there's a little bit of a limiting factor. Yeah. I mean, you guys only got so much time in a day. Um, like, geez. <laughs> <laughs> hence this podcast how it's taken so long to get back on here i know we've been talking for the last six months and it's just you know just yeah. we're both busy yeah ah, dude don't worry about it it's all good now now that we figured out that we can do it while you're driving i mean shoot yeah 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 my commute i've got at least 45 minute drive you know minute drive home and I might as well do a podcast. So yeah, and honestly, the audio is great. I I heard you go under one underpass. You cut out for like three seconds, but other than that, it's been really good. <laughs> yeah, and another one's coming up here shortly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, um, you know what? What kind of stuff do you got coming up this year? I mean, obviously, it's that time of year to be applying and and all that jazz. So, what are you looking at? Um, I think just pretty much my, you know, as my kids get a little older and, uh, they require more of my time, it's, I'm actually starting to cut back a little bit. I'm trying to focus as much as I can on my family and, and not, uh, overreach. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm haven't been, uh, applying for any of the easier hunts out of state. I've been doing more of the swings of the fence. So I'm going to draw something. I want to make it worth my time and, uh, I'm really just focusing on all the over the counter stuff that I normally do, you know, here in Idaho and yeah, we'll, we'll see, hopefully I can pull a good tag or two, or if not, you know, I'm still going to have a, a busy season, you know? So yeah, that's pretty much it. So with, uh, with Idaho, I noticed this year when I went to go get tags, we had to select, um, a unit that we were going to hunt, which whatever um i wasn't i'm not overly worried about that but i was just curious for you being a resident did are you still allowed to get a general tag or did you have to select a unit also uh well uh, you always have i've always had to select a unit for elk um, you have to select the zone but but dear no it's still statewide is it cool cool i wasn't sure i I wasn't sure how it works yeah you know i i feel bad for the non-residents but you know I don't. Uh, be, being a resident, <laughs> I, I do see some of the challenges with it, you know, because um, with all the the information people can get these days online, you know, uh, go hunt, hunt and fool, um, just, you know, anything, Eastman's, the MRS section, stuff like that. Some of these units are graded, you know, at, you know, 
the best to the worst. And a lot of these units that are graded as the best, you know, just naturally as a non-resident, not knowing um, where to go, they're going to go for the best. And it, it really, it creates crowding issues, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. The, the good thing is, I mean, being a resident, I can tell you that <laughs> there's great hunting throughout the state if you put your time in, so. Yeah, I mean, it's no different than Wyoming or Colorado or whatever yep. else. I, I was honestly, I was pleased, and I'm a non-resident, because I was thinking in my mind, I was like, you know what, um, this is going to force people to just pick and then stick to their guns and go hunt. And to me that that's okay. I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I, I just, it might be a few less people in, in the area that I've been going to, or maybe the area you've been going to or something like that. It might just be a few less people, which is, I don't think it's going to be a bad thing. Um, like you say, every unit there, if people are hunting, the chances are they're going to have, they're going to see, Good bucks to get them excited, you know. Yep. So I, I'm actually looking forward to it as a non-resident. I'm like, I'm like, score. There, there might be a few less people driving up and down that road. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's definitely going to be. Uh, the hunters are definitely going to be spread out a little more, so that it might be just a bit better. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, man, I, I don't. Is there is there any other? Um, I don't know, obstacles or things like that, 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 uh, maybe unforeseen obstacles when it came to your, your knife company journey that were kind of like a smack to the face. Um, man, that's a tough one there. It seems like every, every (laughs) thing I I dove into was an obstacle. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. I ran into dead end roads all over, you know, if you're the, if you're the type of person that's just going to give up on something when it gets tough, then it's not going to work out for you. Right. It's not for you. So, yeah. Cool, man. Well, yeah, I, I can say the audio actually worked pretty well. Um, I appreciate you kind of telling us, you know, sharing your, your journey to, from idea to an actual product in your hand to, Hey, let's go sell this thing. Um, I guess one other thing I would like to ask is when it come, came time to sell it, um, you know, wh- what does that look like? Are you like, okay, this is the one we're going to sell. Let's go out and produce several hundred and then we'll start selling them. Or do you just produce 50, uh, like a lower quantity? Because I would assume obviously higher quantity is cheaper price per unit, I yeah, would assume. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah, you run into a lot of obstacles there, you know, because – You've got to keep your quantity up in every fashion just so you can get that, you know, you get a better price. Like right. If, you know, if you, if you do a thousand of them, you're going to get a better price than if you do 10, you know, but if yep. you do 10 and, and then they'll sell out, then you're, then you're running behind trying to catch up, you know, and that was kind of the initial, I did a, a, a what I thought was a big run. And then, um, you know, the product moved rather a lot more, a lot quicker than I thought it would. And then, you know, pretty much we've had to play catch up ever since. So, yeah, well, I mean, if you're playing catch up, uh, because everything's selling out too fast, that's a plus, you know, it's a lot better than having lots of leftover product and not knowing how to get rid of it, I suppose. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I definitely can't complain. You know, that's one of those things I, I didn't, I didn't come, I didn't come up with the idea just so I could go out and try to make money. You know, that that was not it. I came up with this idea that I thought was definitely going to give me an edge on the market and something I wanted to do anyway. 
So I knew the design was going to be rock solid one way or another. It might take some tweaking, but you know, I, I knew it would appeal to the backcountry hunters. So. Yep. Absolutely. Well, sweet man. Well, I, I do. I appreciate you uh, chatting with me on your drive home. Uh, that was that was good timing. So thank you very much for hopping on the Battle Mountain podcast. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. And uh, for any best of any knives or anything like that. Um, yeah, it's just goatknives.com or uh, you can uh, follow us at goat underscore uh, knives on Instagram or, you know, you can just follow me at Travis Nowatney. So heck yeah. Heck yeah. Go, go check out the knives that they have. They, they have to offer everybody. They're, uh, they're pretty wicked looking there for sure. And, um, I've heard from a lot of different people that, that they are, uh, they're, they're a great quality knife. So you'll have to go check them out. Definitely.